section number one of other people's lives this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c other people's lives by rosa nuchet carey book one how i came to sandylands as we journey on in life we are conscious of sudden strong sympathies which draw us almost irresistibly out of our narrow grooves and impel us in some contrary direction sometimes it is a book that appeals to us some glowing thought newly coined in a regal mint which seems stamped ineffaceably on our memory some truth like the syrian arrow of old drawn at a venture which pierces through our armor or it may be the clear human eyes of some stranger whom we meet on the edge of a crowd and who speaks to us kindly in passing we travel on and yet that brief encounter has made our life richer or again it may be some place that attracts us with irresistible force some little spot of earth which seems fairer to us than other places it has homely features that make us remember our childhood a subtle fragrance of far-off days that seems to pervade and hallow it this was how i felt when i first saw sandylands when the scent of the firs and the warmth of the sunset and the sweet chiming of the church bells seemed to blend together as i sat at the window of the inn a dusty weary traveller a little battered and jaded with a forty years wandering in the wilderness of life i had come to sandylands for one night some one had mentioned it to me carelessly it is a pretty village he had said and there is a view that is worth seeing and if you are fond of sketching you might stay a few hours on your way from brentwood my wife always says that sandylands reminds her of the happy valley where rasselas and his brothers lived one has not quite forgotten one's school days at forty and i still nourish a secret penchant for dr johnson's old romance for i agree with alfonso of aragon old wood to burn old wine to drink old friends to trust old authors to read i was in the mood to take advice and so one june evening i found myself at sandylands i had come for one night i remained ten years until every house held a friend for me and when the children smiled back at me on their way to school there was not one i had not held in my arms on the day of their baptism the little lady up at fir cottage was what they called me but those who knew me best and had grown to love me were more apt to say the little sister i think 
if i remember rightly the name originated with the vicar i had asked him to witness some paper and had just signed my name claire merrick oh he said looking at me blankly patience told me that your name was catherine no i belong to the poor clares i returned the little joke would have fallen flat with any one but the vicar but of course he knew all about st francis of assisi so his eyes only twinkled slightly as he took the pen the little sister would be sorely missed in sandylands he said in a genial way that belonged to him for though he spoke little his silence seemed to hold a perpetual benison even the poor clares had their work cut out for them i had said it a little bitterly but the vicar's smile and the kindly gleam in his gray eyes as he looked down at me seemed to heal up the old sore many a long year before a girl had strayed by mistake into an eden not intended for her through a grievous mistake she had believed herself beloved and it had seemed to her for a few short days as though the heavens were not too large to contain her bliss she had so hungered and thirsted for love she had known such lonely hours and so many disappointments and when a voice said come up higher it seemed to her as though the music of the spheres were sounding in her ears and so ah poor claire this girl gazed in at the open door and saw the roses of eden growing roses red with passion and white with purity and she stretched out her hand the foolish child but the cruel thorns only pierced her palm not for you never for you and then there was a laugh and the gate clanged in her face and the careless footsteps passed on was it a mistake had she only dreamed it alas there are some dreams so bitter that they haunt even our waking hours this was how the little sister strayed into sandylands a mere waif and stray of humanity not rich in this world's goods and yet not poor was sufficient to keep herself and help others the cottage where i lived was perched high above the village and was owned by a young widow at least everyone in sandyland said bessie martin was a widow though she always refused to own herself one and her children still prayed for their poor father at sea she was a tall buxom young woman with a soft drawl in her voice that seemed to appeal to one's sympathy and she had pleasant homely ways i had fallen in love with her when i had first seen her in her gray sunbonnet drawing water at the little well with her two blue-eyed boys beside her and as i walked up the steep zigzag path past the little garden plots each with its clean littered pigsty 
and saw fur cottage with the honeysuckle festooning the rude wooden veranda and the smooth little grass plot shut in with a thick laurel hedge i felt i had reached a haven of refuge it was so still and tranquil a little lane led into the fir woods that covered the crest of the hill behind the cottage everywhere their soft blue blackness seemed to close in the horizon standing by the laurel hedge one looked down over the roofs of other cottages at the tiny village green the quiet inn and the house adjoining and the beautiful church with its leash gate and grand background of firs a long road stretched dimly in the distance king's dean the big house on the opposite hill loomed in stately seclusion above the village everywhere steep white roads seemed to wind through the fir woods the inn closed the view but beyond as i knew well lay the valley with its pleasant homesteads from fir cottage the vicarage was not visible it stood a little lower down the road a grey roomy house with a comfortable bay-window drawing-room opening on to a tennis lawn that was the best of sandylands it had its reserves and surprises you could not see it all at once that long road for example that led past the white gates of king's dean would take you to the principal shop crampton stores as they called it and the big well and the silverdale tavern and so on to the post office and oddly end with its score of trim cottages each standing pleasantly in its own garden ground i remember one afternoon an old friend one of the few i possess came to spend a long summer's day with me in my sylvan retreat in youth one's heart is a little callous and elastic friends are plentiful if lovers are scarce and grow on every bush but as one grows old how one yearns for the faces that smiled on us when we were young for those comrades who stood by us when the fight opened before we had grown jaded and weary and dazed with the din and the rush of life is it not longfellow who says how good it is the hand of an old friend so it was always a red-letter day when florence mortimer could spare a few hours from her hospital work to run down to sandylands it was on a september day when she paid her first visit and i was glad and proud to see how much she was struck with the place she was by no means an enthusiastic person she had seen too much of the grim realities of life to keep the freshness of her youthful illusions nevertheless for the first half hour her conversation was quite staccato with enthusiasm now it was the warm resinous breath of the firs 
that charmed her or the sweetness of the honeysuckle porch no wonder you wrote such charming descriptions claire i had no idea surrey was so lovely sandylands i never heard of the place before how many inhabitants do you say there are six or seven hundred dear me i cannot see more than seven or eight houses talk of a lodge in a garden of cucumbers there seems nothing but a church an inn and fir woods to be sure there is that big house opposite it looks quite a mansion a palatial residence that is what they would call it in the papers then again i like those steep white roads winding through the dark woods they must look like silver ladders in the moonlight but they are hard to climb look how slowly that old man with his bundle of brushwood seems to be creeping on like an overladen ant that is my favorite walk flo it leads to that wonderful view sandy point of which i told you oh to be sure i remember your description you have the pen of a ready writer no don't thank me for the compliment it was sister accident who said that but claire did you not say half enough about the beauty of your church who would expect to see anything so grand in a village it looks like a great white ark set against all that blackness and there is the dove only minus the olive branch flying out of the porch but it was only one of the fantail pigeons from the inn mrs martin brought out the little tea-table presently and as we sat in our big beehive chairs under the shade of a sycamore i would not have exchanged my summer parlor for the grandest apartments in windsor castle and i am sure florence agreed with me she grew a little thoughtful presently as though the shadow of some memory had crossed the sunlight these cross lights these sudden alterations of shadows and sunshine are so common in life i am so glad you have found this little haven of rest she said at last rather wistfully it just suits you somehow of course you have not been here long enough to make many friends but i know your social proclivities before long you will be acquainted with everyone in sandylands and florence was right but her next speech made me smile a little do you think people are quite so unhappy in the country oh of course there is always sickness and death and bad times but in rather a pathetic tone it must be easier for people to be good there must be fewer temptations perhaps so i returned but human nature is often its own tempter when i have lived here a little longer i dare say i shall be able to answer your question better for i shall know more about my neighbors troubles 
no doubt sandylands has its saints and its sinners its comedies and its tragedies but it has one advantage there is room to breathe and there is no hoarse jarring sound of traffic to deaden the bird's music now if we are to walk to sandy point it is time for us to start and this closed the conversation fir cottage had been built by bessie martin's father and the old couple had lived in it until their death when will martin started on his last disastrous voyage bessie and her two boys came back to live in the old home little ben was only an infant then and david a sturdy rosy-cheeked urchin of three her father had had his first paralytic seizure and her mother was growing old and feeble and needed a daughter's care bessie's hands were full in those days but she was strong and willing and no work came amiss to her our bessie has been a blessing to us from the hour i brought her into the world her mother would say and i shall tell will so when i meet him up yonder but bessie always shook her head and turned away in silence when her mother made these speeches mother and dad would have it that will was dead she said once to me but i shall never bring myself to believe it i am lonesome enough without that and one of these days please god will would come back to me often and often my davy has said to me when he has seen me a bit down and out of heart don't be unhappy mammy i'm going to pray hard tonight that dad may come home tomorrow and then he would shut his eyes so tight and i could see him gripping his little hands together and please dear lord he would say do let dad come back to us quick for poor mammy is fretting so and benji and me can't comfort her no how times upon times i have heard him say that the darling bessie martin was rather reserved by nature and it was not easy for her to give her confidence she came of a good old north country stock and now and then she would use some phrases that she had certainly not learnt in surrey a we must bide the bitterment that was a favourite expression with her and now and then hurry means worry we must just summer and winter it and keep quiet i heard most of bessie's had history from old mrs martin down at the long white cottage at the bottom of our path she was a good old soul a little gregarious at times but wonderfully kind-hearted and she was never weary of singing bessie's praises she was a good daughter a better never lived she would say when will martin first came down here courting i remember she would promise him nothing till the old people had given their blessing 
and yet will was as fine-looking a young fellow as you would see on a summer's day and he had the light heart of the sailor bessie was a sonsy lass too not to say handsome but buxom and well set up and then she had a way with her you felt you could trust her through thick and thin not that she was ever much of a talker it was will who had the soft wily tongue but then they suited each other down to the ground and he was just foolish about her poor dear fellow he was a sort of cousin of mine that's how he first came to sandy lands but maybe i'm wearying you but i hastened to assure her to the contrary and that nothing interested me like stories in real life and then she went on contentedly will's mother was alive then she was a sickly sort of body and very peevish but being a widow woman nothing would satisfy will but they must make their home with her bessie never liked london and she found her mother-in-law uncommonly trying but she did her duty by her and i have heard will say that she died with her hand in bessie's ben was only three months old then it was just before will got his birth on the althrusa bessie was a little low and weak just then from her long nursing and it was will who proposed that she should take the two boys with her to sandy lands i shall know where to find you he said that last morning i took my sweetheart from fir cottage and it is there we'll look for my wife and chicks when i come back poor will those were his very words and before six weeks were over the althrusa had struck against a reef and sunk with every soul on board and then she told the few particulars that were gleaned of the ill-fated vessel but bessie will not believe that her husband is dead i observed when mrs martin had stopped to take her breath no she is a bit perverse on that point i have heard her mother argue with her until bessie would fling her apron over her head and have a good cry but for all that she would never own her mother was right if will were dead i should feel it somehow she has said to me more than once for being will's cousin we were always the best of friends do you suppose martha that my will would be lying face downwards at the bottom of the ocean and i should not know it in my heart in my dreams he is just his old living self sometimes i can hear his voice quite plainly but what is the use of talking one must just bide the bitterment and then she would sigh a little heavy and go back to the cottage how strange it was in the face of all that evidence that bessie martin should still maintain her husband was alive 
I had heard about the Althusa, she had struck against an unsuspected coral reef, but to the best of my knowledge there had been no survivors to tell the tale. By an odd coincidence, Mrs. Martin's words were corroborated that very evening. I had gone into the kitchen to give some order, and as usual found Bessie sitting at the open door knitting, with David learning his lessons beside her. Ben was in his cot, fast asleep. It was Bessie's rest hour. All day long from earliest daybreak, she had been busily engaged in house and garden. More than once I had noticed that the blue and gray socks she was knitting were too large for David. Are you making those for a friend? I asked a little curiously, but to my surprise a sudden blush crossed her face. Yes, Miss Merrick, they are for a friend, surely. For my best friend, I might say, for they are for Will. That is his chest, pointing to a handsome Spanish mahogany chest of drawers that I had often admired. Will will find all his things ready for him. And then, with a sudden impulse, she rose and opened one drawer after another and showed me the neat piles of flannel shirts knitted socks and daintily stitched cuffs all these five years while people called her a widow she had spent her rest hours in working for the husband she believed to be alive i think the tears in my eyes touched her she was not used to this sort of silent sympathy for she said slowly in that soft drawl of hers the neighbors think I am just doited, though no one, not even Martha, has seen what I have shown you just now. But it keeps me happy and prevents me from brooding. Oh, I have my bad times, she continued in a low voice, so that David could not hear her, when I am just moithered to know what my poor lad is doing for he is wandering over the face of the earth somewhere sometimes i fear he is shut up in some place from which he cannot get out it was through david reading robson crusoe that i got that into my head but it is my favorite book too sometimes at night i wake up all in a shiver and think how lonesome will must find it on some desert island with nothing but wild creatures round him and how he must sicken for a sight of me and the children but then when trouble comes we just must bear it and as long as i feel that the same world holds us both i have no cause to despair but as she turned away, there was a sad yearning look in her gray eyes that told of many an hour of heartbreak. Are there any limits to a woman's love and faith, I thought, as I went back to my room. But there was a sudden weight at my heart as I sat alone by the fireside. 
the tragedies of life are sometimes less sad than its comedies and in my secret soul that night i envied bessie martin she had not asked for bread and received a stone and her youth had not been nourished on empty husks love had crowned her with its highest honors the sacred privileges of wife and mother had been bestowed upon her and what widowhood could deprive her of the happy past as long as i feel that the same world holds us both i have no cause to despair she had said but i would have added more than that for when one's beloved has entered one of the many mansions it is as though familiar hands were making a new home ready for us and when our call comes surely the face we most loved will welcome us upon the threshold end of section one recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver bc